Hello, welcome to Marcel's Medieval Magic, the podcast that has me, Marcel Losada, reading through and summarizing medieval texts with my friends and family who have not heard or read these texts because they all have lives. Our guest today is Chris Henderson, also known as Chendo. How you doing, Chris? Fantastic. Excellent, man. I'm glad to hear that. So I have a follow-up question here for you. Um, what do you know about Arthurian legends? Ooh, um, not a lot, but not a little. Um, I really love medieval um, lore in general. So uh, I hope this is all about that. Even though I'm not fully educated, like I read a lot of those short story, like uh, summary books and things there. Um, you know, there's a lot of reprints and they're not always the same edition when you're younger, you know, in like grade school. And I studied some of the stuff in, when I was in high school in world history, but I never read like actual, you know, the stories. There's no, I mean, if you, everyone has to read like Beowulf and things, but there's no, I haven't read any like actual Arthurian transcripts or whatever. So, but I do know there's multiple nights. I, I just saw the Green Knight because that, I, I love that. Um, uh, I always known Lancelot as a prick to me. Lancelot is like the Cyclops. A lot of people like him, but I think he's a douchebag and that's just kind of been me, but, um, also know that he wasn't like the strongest. So, uh, there's just like, there are some things and then sword in the stone. If everyone, anyone ever asked me, what's your favorite classic Disney? Cause the Neo classic would be like, for me, it would be like Aladdin or something. Right. You know, like the nineties classic, but they're not classic cause we're old. But the oh, classic, classic, I go, dude, it's Sword in the Stone and then it's Robin Hood and then everyone else is like, whatever, I'll watch them. But I have not watched any more the most out of that whole collection of those, like Bluth era when he was at Disney, then Sword in the Stone and Robin Hood. And there's a lot of similarities and Bluth worked on both. But yeah, I love it. I'm into it. I'm into this. Thank All you right. for the surprise. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Cool. I should also mention that Chris had literally no idea what this podcast no, was about whatsoever. I, I had no idea. I thought it was like intervention, secret intervention, but it's okay. <laughs> I was I was into it. I'm like anything to help a friend. Yeah, and that is super cool. Uh, I love having a diversity of voices and you need to know nothing, but you actually know a lot more than I think most people would in this okay. particular case. Um, I also heard you mention the movie, The Green Knight. And it's yes. good that you've seen that because our episode oh, okay. today is the wedding of Sir Gowan and Dame Ragnall. Okay. Did you know that your boy, nice. uh, Sir Gowan, got married? I did not know. Um, I know in, in the movie, it's probably different. Um, but the, you know, his mistress or whore or whatever versus, you know, his possible actual future. Um, is a little different in the films and things i think compared to like the actual story i know they had to elaborate a little bit more on the story so i didn't know there's actual wedding or anything like that no i don't All right. and you know enlighten me yeah. yeah i will definitely enlighten you and we're gonna go for a bit of a ride um okay that being said uh, i did like sir or excuse me the movie the green knight i thought uh -huh. they actually were fairly they were closer a lot closer to the text than i thought I thought they oh, were okay. going to focus on um, 
frankly, a bunch of battle and bullshit and other stuff that uh, I don't really right. give a fuck about, but they did not. Um, they actually cool. stuck true to the story for some parts. And maybe that would be like an episode at some point or some bonus content where I can compare okay. um, the actual Green Knight and like the, the things they left I'd, out. I'd love uh, to know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, um, well, yeah. Anyway, that's a whole different <laughs> episode. Let's yeah, get yeah, to yeah, this yeah. one. Sure, um, sure. So... We're going to go straight into the text and I'm going to beg you to remind me to return to the editor. I'm going to put a note here on this page over here. Um, but yeah, let's just dig right in. I'll tell you about uh, our right. editor. I will say our editor is, let's see, Thomas Hahn. So the rumor about uh, Thomas Hahn is that he fought Chuck Norris in a UFC fight and won, <laughs> which is not true. Uh, this particular uh, no. version also comes from Teams Medieval English text or Middle English text titled Sir Gowan, 11 Romances and Tales. So that book is cool. And they have nice. 11 romances and tales, apparently. So, so here we go. This is okay. one of them. It's going to be great. Uh, the text starts out, hearken and listen. So hearken is an interesting word. The actual beginning is uh, Lisa and listen at the. Uh, and as I've ranted before on this podcast, medieval introductions have a hard time being translated. I don't know if we have a modern equivalent of this. I would say we have something like once upon a time, but we mm. don't have like a universally agreed upon start to a story that let us know we're going to get a tale. So, or some kind mm. of story told to us that we should shut up and start paying attention to because, well, we're all within earshot of the person that's saying this thing. So like in the middle, uh, middle ages, if you started and just, you know, jumped on a table and said, hearken. Everybody knows, oh, shit, dude, it's story time. We're going to listen yeah, to yeah. Uh, Chris deliver some uh, sick lines here. <laughs> so nonetheless, uh, the story uh, does start out with, as our editor translates it, hearken and listen to the life of a rich, in this case, meaning noble, uh, which is funny, Lord, who, as he lived, had no equal in Bowra, meaning private room or in hall. So anywhere, pretty much, meaning there's nobody like this dude, right? Um, during the time of King Arthur, this adventure occurred, and you will hear of this great adventure that the king, courteous and royal, was involved in. Of all kings, Arthur bears the flower, uh, which is a way of saying he's like the best, right? It's just crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if you would say that today's day, like, man, that, I, I guess like for music, you describe things as things slap, right? Right. Like, man, that slaps. Back then, mm -hmm. they'd be like, oh, man, he has the flower. <laughs> so, I can see it. Flowers are pretty. I, I get, yeah, I'm with yeah. you. You know, it's not bad. Um, but it's interesting, you know. So anyway, uh, of all, and this has shown up several times. So that was definitely a thing that people in the uh, Middle Ages said, right? L uh, roughly mm -hmm. like 15th century um, England. So, and of all the knighthood, he had the most honor wherever he went. Okay. In his country, there was nothing but chivalry and brave knights were beloved there and cowards were forever disgraced. Now you will listen a while to my talking. So the editor um, puts this as performance, but it's a medieval equivalent of a podcast, I guess. This guy's just like uh, talking to us about this story. And he says, yeah. I shall tell you of Arthur the King, how once when he was hunting in Inglewood, and that is not like South Central Inglewood, uh, right, right, right. Rather, it looks like um, there's actually a place uh, that is set in Inglewood Forest near Carlisle uh, in Cumberland in northwest England on the border of Scotland. 
So there is actually an Inglewood forest. And uh, it says whose Anglo-Saxon name, meaning the wood of the angels, suggests an English settlement in contested British territory ceased to exist in the 19th century. So it got wiped out in the 1800s for God knows why. Um, so while hunting in Inglewood with all his good, bold knights, now hearken to my spell, uh, which means listen to my story. Uh, and I do love that they call a story a spell. You know, it sounds mm -hmm. kind of like uh, Harry Potterish, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's entrancing. It is right. So the king was set in his hunting station. So uh, I'm thinking it means like a deer blind with his bow ready to slay game and his lords were set beside him. As the king stood, he became aware of a great heart. So that's a male red deer, apparently, that was very fair and was moving very quickly. The heart was in a fern thicket and heard the hounds and stood very still. King Arthur saw all of this. He said, hold still, everyone, and I will go myself if I can with craft of stocking, meaning to stock it quietly. Uh, so yeah. the king in his hand took a bow and as a woodman, he stooped low to stock upon that deer. When he came near it, the deer leapt unto a briar patch and the king drew ever near. So essentially the king sees a deer, it's hopping through the forest, takes his bow in hand and he comes after it. So King Arthur went a while after the deer, I guess about half a mile. And that's the narrator talking, not me. He's just saying right. about half a mile they went and no one was with the king. So the king's alone. And at last, he let an arrow fly at the deer and smote the deer sorely and surely. Such grace God sent him down. The deer tumbled in the spot and fell into a great thicket of fern. The king followed it very quickly. And soon the king, both fierce and eager, found the deer and butchered it properly. And afterwards, he assayed the grease. Uh, it's a weird line, but uh, it means that in this case, like uh, he's taking the fat. Um, and, uh, it's, you know, it's kind of a nod to like the medieval world was very connected to their food. So they knew mm -hmm. like butchering an animal is a really important thing. Uh, right. most of us, I think, even if you were able to like shoot a deer would have no idea how to safely trim down an animal, you know? Yeah. 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 So while the King was alone with the deer, there came to him a quaint Grom, which means like a, a strange man. Uh, and this guy, so the King is sitting there butchering this deer, right? And a uh, armed dude kind of strolls up on him. And it's a knight who's very strong and full of great might. And grimly, which means uh, fiercely in this case, these words he said to the king, he says, well met, Arthur, you have done me wrong for many a year and woefully. I shall pay you back here. I hold that your lifetime is nearly done. You have given my lands indeed with great wrong to Sir Gowan. What say you, king alone? So this dude's essentially like, hey, I don't like you. You gave all my territories to King Arthur. He's saying this to Sir Gowan. And that's fucked mm -hmm. up. So now that I've got you and you're, uh, you know, without armor, uh, I'm going to kill you because it's easy. Right. right? So um, Arthur says, Sir Knight, what is your name on your honor? Sir King said the knight, I am Gromer Summer Jura. So that's his name, mm -hmm. I guess. Uh, that's a hell of a name. <laughs> I think Gromer yeah. is a great name. I don't know about you, but I'm Gromer. going Gromer. Yeah. Wasn't, he, wasn't he on Sesame Street? I think he was, off man. The block, dude. Gromer. Gromer. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> okay. Okay. 
So I am Gromer Somer Jura. I tell you by rights. Uh, it looks like um, the editor tells us here his dangerousness, his sudden appearance deep in the woods, and his name would seem to uh, connect Sir Gromer Somer Jura to the festivals of Midsummer's Day and Night and to the spirits and the great and ugly giants marching as if they were alive associated with this occasion in England uh, throughout the 16th century. In this respect, he shares some traits with the Green Knight. So I know you've seen the Green Knight. So think right. of this guy as like the Green Knight. He's coming out to Arthur. He's threatening him. He comes out of nowhere. Um, he's perfectly armed and all that stuff. Uh, the name Gromer may seem simply be a version of groom, as in man, as in like a bridegroom. Uh, mm -hmm. So it could just be that it was uh, they kind of like a play on just groom. So it could just mean like it's like a John John Doe, like newlywed. Yeah. yeah, like exactly. Yeah, that dude. So King Arthur says, I, Sir Gromer Somer, uh, consider well to slay me here. You will not get a bit of honor. I think that you are a knight. If you slay me now in this place, all the knights will refuse to accept you in every place. Your shame will never leave thee. Let go of your recklessness and follow reason. Whatever is amiss, I shall amend it before I go if you wish it. So, you know, King Arthur's trying to appeal to him and says, like, you can't just kill me here in cold blood. Right? Mm -hmm. You got to do the honorable thing. Sir Gromer Somer says, nay, by the king of heaven, you shall not escape without lie. I have thee at my advantage. If I should let you go after mockery, you will challenge me in the future through combat. And to prevent that, I shall not fail. So dude basically says, nope. King said, now, God save me, spare my life and whatever you crave most, I will give to thee. It is a shame that you have to slay me while I am hunting. You are armed and I am clothed, but in green purred, meaning um, green uh, truthfully. So um, I think it means he's wearing like, you know, not armor, but it could also be that he's just naked, which is a whole different picture. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I it's just like the padded under the armor clothing they wear. That's what I'm Maybe. guessing. Or uh, light armor, like leather. All depends on what he crafted. I don't know what his skill tree is in Skyrim, but <laughs> I go light armor. That's how I roll. So it's probably so light that they interpret it as no armor. I get that. Yeah, there's I think no, that's... If there's no metal, sometimes they don't consider it armor. Uh, yeah, that's true. And that's what uh, naked, I think, means here. So um, the Sir Gromer Somer says, um, all this shall not help you, surely, for I want neither land nor gold. Truly, but if you agree to meet me on a certain day, as I have set wearing the same gear, I will take it. So essentially he's saying, I don't want anything you have to offer. Mm -hmm. What I want instead um, is for you to meet me back here on a certain day. Arthur said, yes, lo, here is my hand. So he, Arthur agrees to this. Okay. Then Sir Gromer Somer says, yes, but abide and listen to me a moment, King. First, you shall swear upon my bright sword to show me at your coming what women love most in field in town. So mm -hmm. he wants him to author, uh, he wants Arthur to come back and tell him what is it that women love most. Okay. And uh, field in town here means like anywhere. And you shall meet me here without summons on this date at 12 months end. So he gives him one year to do this. And you shall swear upon my good sword and by the cross that you shall bring none of your knights with you, neither stranger nor friend. So, you know, you got to come back alone. You got to come back dressed the same way you are. And you got to have the answer uh, in one year to the question, mm. what is it that women love most?
Sir Gromos Homer continues. And if you bring me no answer, then without and fail, I shall have your head for your effort. This shall now by your oath you swear. What say you, king? Come now, do it, swear. Arthur said, sir, I grant, meaning agree to this. Now let me be gone. Though I find this to be very distasteful, I assure you that I am a true king. I will come again at the end of 12 months and I will bring you an answer. Sir Gromer Somer said, now go your way, King Arthur. Your life is in my hand and I am fully sure that you are not aware of the plight that awaits you. Abide, King Arthur, a little while. Look not to trick me today and keep all this close to yourself. For if I find out by Mary who is mild that you would betray me in the field, you will lose your life first. Mm. Arthur replied, nay, that will not be. You will never find me to be a deceitful knight. I would rather die than be untruthful. Farewell, Sir Knight, whom I have met through bad luck. If I am alive, I will return at the appointed day uh, set, even if it costs my life. The king then began to blow his bugle. Every knight who heard it knew to whom it belonged, and they quickly came unto Arthur. There they found the king with sad countenance and a distressed look, and his dear. Arthur had no desire to joke and play, and he said, we go home now to Carlisle. Uh, and if you don't know where Carlisle is, it's a city in England in the country of Cumbria. To the northwest, it's close to Scotland. So it's like a real place. It would be like a, right. if Batman was like, we, we have to go to New York. <laughs> like, right. be like, oh, okay, cool. So the king continues, this hunting pleases me not. All the Lord could tell by his look that the king had met some disturbance. Unto Carlisle then the king went, but of his sadness, no man knew. His heart was wondrously heavy. In his sadness, he stayed so that many of his knights marveled, uh, which is a great medieval word. It shows up here all the time, but people always marvel. Uh, it's one of our drinking games here. So anyway, the knights marveled uh, at the time until at last, finally, Sir G uh, Gawain went to the king and said, Sir, it, it marveleth. So again, in marvel. Um, and editor translates as puzzles me greatly. What is it that makes you so sad? So, so Gawain wants to know like, why King Arthur, are you so sad? Right. King Arthur says immediately, I shall tell thee then Gawain Gentile knight. So like in this case, uh, noble, I was in the forest today and there I met with the knight who was armed in full armor and certain words he said to me and told me that I should not betray him meaning give away what they said. So Arthur had sworn to keep it a secret, but it looks like he's going to tell Sir Gawain here. So I must keep his confidence agreement or else I am forsworn. Gawain said, nay, dread you not, my Lord, by Mary's flower. So again, compliments using flowers. Um, I am not the man who would ask you to dishonor yourself, nor by day, nor by night. So Sir Gawain's like, hey, if you can't tell me, that's fine. I understand. Arthur said, forsutha, which means forsooth, which means truthfully, Truth. if you didn't know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, I was hunting in Ingleswood. Uh, you know well that I killed a heart, that deer, and by the rude, and rude in this case, R-O-O-D, means uh, the cross. If you didn't know that, that's another mm. uh, old uh, Saxon word for the cross. So mm. um, by the cross, by myself alone. So he's saying, I killed this deer alone when I was hunting. There, I met a knight who was heavily armed, and he told me that his name was Sir Gromer Somer Jura, and that is why I make lamentations. 
Arthur continued. There the knight did pressingly. Uh, so, uh, yeah, sorry. There the knight did pressingly threaten me and would have slain me with great passion, except that I spoke an agreement and I had no weapons with me. Alas, now my honor is gone, Gawain said. What came of it? Arthur said, what else can I say? I shall not lie. He would have slain me there without mercy. And that to me was most loathly, meaning hateful. Arthur continues, he made me swear that at the end of 12 months, um, I should meet him in the same way as I have met him. To that task, I have pledged to be true. So Arthur's saying, I'm going to meet him in the year that he sent me. Arthur continued, and also I should tell him on that same day what women desire most in good face. Otherwise, I should lose my life. This oath promise I made unto that night and that I should never tell it to no man. Of this, I cannot choose other than to obey the contract which he sets that on that day I should come in the same clothes that I wore when he found me. And if I fail to give the right answer to his question, I know I shall be slain on the spot. Blame me not to be in bad humor, spirits. Um, the whole episode is the cause of my fear and dread. So things aren't looking good for Arthur, right? Um, he just told Sir Gowan uh, what he has to do. And what I want to take here is a second here. What is your answer to this question of what do you think women desire most? Mm. Um, for me, answering that, I, I, I feel like it's less of what do women want and more of just what do humans want? And I feel like most humans, no matter what, want to be loved and feel a purpose. And so you can say it's just what women want, but I'll tell you what, any man who actually gets to answer that is most likely going to answer that if they're going to get past all the BS of money, riches, whatever. Like at the end of the day, um, I feel what gives people most pleasure and comfort and peace is knowing that they're loved and they have a purpose if it's not for a greater good but it's at least just for one other person a mate uh not even a mate it could be a best friend it could you know um so that's that's it for me that's what i liked not to get away into disney stuff but that's what i liked in uh frozen <laughs> sorry but like a lot of people you know it's a disney movie whatever but the thing was it wasn't the the boring old trope of oh, it's a princess and she magically meets this person she's in love with and then the guy gets with the girl and like that's the best ending and that's what kids should you know look forward to. And all. It was like love is deep and love can be with just family members. It doesn't have to always be like and you don't have to be married to be happy and like, you know, so I think it's just that the feeling of, of purpose and being loved is usually what I find most women and men want. Very cool. Been fighting this cold, so sorry. Um, so um, no I absolutely uh, was troubled at first when you said, um, you know, uh, that it's not just a woman thing, uh, that it's a person thing, because I think, um, you know, you have to acknowledge and respect that there's differences in gender. Um, but totally. ultimately, totally. I really like where you ended up because I think that that's okay. an interesting uh, <laughs> place. Yeah, you know, um, because. Um, you know, especially the connection to Frozen and like the move into thinking about relationships in a broader sense and not needing right. to have 
um, uh, you know, kind of traditional normative uh, relationships is pretty sweet. So. Right. You know, or hetero, uh, you know, it's just, it's just more than that. And that's just as I got older, uh, that's just my thing. But I know everyone has different needs, but I think the core, that's for me, that's what I think. No, and I agree. Like I said, I, I, I 100% love where you ended up with. <laughs> I kind of like that you used Frozen as your reference. That's funny to me. Sorry. I mean, this is the most <laughs> reasoning. Again, I got a three-year-old daughter. So. Yeah, totally. All right. So uh, continuing on here, Kawain said, you, sir, be glad. Make your horse ready to ride in this strange country. And every time you meet a man or a woman, ask them what they have to say, and I shall ride in the opposite direction and inquire of every man and woman what I may learn of their answer, and I shall write all their responses in a book. So like he says, you know, Arthur, you go one way. Start asking everybody you know, everybody you meet. Like, what, what do you think women want, right? And then write everything down, right? And I'm going to go the opposite way, and I'm going to do the same thing. So that way we've got both directions covered, <laughs> you know, I guess, right? Yeah. All right. I agree, Arthur said. It is good advice, Gawain the Good, uh, even by the Holy Cross. Soon they were both ready, Gawain and the king. Truly, the king rode one way and Gawain rode the opposite. And each inquired of man, women, and others the main question, what was it that women desired most dear? Now, here's what medieval people said. Okay, let's see how you're, you align to this, my friend. Probably not well. We'll see, man. I don't know, right? Um, some said that women loved to be dressed and cared for. Some said that women loved to be well complimented. Some said that they loved a lusty man who would hold them in their arms and kiss them. Some said one thing and some said another. And so Gawain had a great many answers to this question. Finally, Gawain had gotten what information he could and he returned back to the castle on the appointed day. Sir Gawain had gotten so many answers that this book was quite true, uh, was quite great, truly, meaning like it's a huge book. To the court, he returned. And at the same time, the king came with his own book and either on the other's pamphlet uh, did they look. This information cannot fail us, said Gawain. By God, said Arthur, I fear greatly and I resolved to search a little more in Inglewood Forest. I have many a month to meet my appointment. I may still hit up on some good tidings. This seems to me to be the best way to proceed. Sir Gowan says, do as you please. Whatever you do, I will be satisfied by. It is good for you to continue to inquire. Doubt you not, my lord, you shall fare thee well. Some of your sayings, uh, meaning askings or questions here, will help you in your hour of need. It is unlikely to be otherwise. King Arthur rode forth on the next day into Inglewood as the path led. And there he met with a lady. She was an ungoodly creature, means ungodly creature, um, uh, as ever man saw without measure. King Arthur marveled uh, securely. Uh, King Arthur marveled, oh, we got that part. Uh, her face was red. Her nose snotted as well. So she's got like snot running down mm. her, her nose. Her mouth was wide. Her teeth were yellow all over with bleary and extra wide, uh, bigger than a ball, it says. Uh, eyes she stared her mouth was not over small they really hung up on her mouth her teeth hung over her lips her cheeks were as wide Oof. as a woman's hips <laughs> oh my so she got some 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 cheeks here a hump she had on her back what it's it yeah. getting worse it's it's getting descriptive 
Her neck was equally long and therefore great. Her hair was clotted into a heap. She was a full yard broad at the shoulders. Her breasts were large enough to warrant a horse to carry them. And I'm guessing that that means that they hung low. I don't know. Right, right. And, and she had the shape of a barrel. So, uh, yeah. And to recount the foulness of the lady, there is no tongue who may tell it accurately how ugly she was. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. And um, I want you to remember this. So she is definitely not a good looking lady, right? Uh, by conventional modern standards, beauty, right? right. Um, but it's interesting also what the medieval crowd found ugly. And I think a lot of it resonates today with just beauty and like um, right. a big part of it is deformity. Right. Right. And that's where it gets a little heavy is like, um, you know, even back then deformity equaled ugliness. Right. And I think that's a thing that continues through today, you know, especially yeah. when we recount like medieval stuff, you know, um, but uh, it's kind of a fucked up way of looking at things. Right. Like agreed. You know, anyway, I know some of them, they would, I mean, if it was a in nobility, sometimes they would just kill him and then just not talk about it, you know? And yeah. I was like, well, that's just what they did, you know, break a few eggs kind of thing. And I'm like, yikes. Oh yeah. You're not wrong. Um, you know, I mean, the Spartans had a time honored tradition of if a baby was born with any kind of deformity, they would throw it off the cliff. Right. And like right. they had a exactly. special cliff where you would do this. Um, and it, you know, I mean, I don't know if we know the context of it. Maybe it was seen as a mercy, right? Right. But right. it's still like know. fucked up shit. <laughs> you know, so, it's just horrific. Yeah. It's like, I don't I know. Agree. Yeah, you can still take care. I mean, it's a person. I don't know. So anyway. <laughs> yeah. So this uh, very uh, long-necked, hump-backed, red-faced, giant-cheeked, barrel-shaped woman, uh, right. you know, stops King Arthur. And it says that she sat on a palfrey and I can tell you all about palfreys, but they're a type of horse that's a great like riding commuter horse. Um, it's also a really expensive horse to have in uh, the Middle Ages. So she is richly wow. adorned with gold and many precious stones. So in spite of the fact that she has her uh, deformities here, she's still mm. rich as hell. OK, right. So uh, there she was incongruous sight to ride so richly. I assure you, it was neither proper nor right. She rode to Arthur and said thus, God speed you, sir king. I am well satisfied that I have met with you. Listen to me before you go, for your life is in my hand. I warn you so. If I permit you to know, you shall have your answer. And if it sounds like this rhymes, all of the old original, uh, old English, middle English does rhyme. Um, but when I'm modernizing these pieces, it's really hard to keep the rhyme sometimes. So that's right. why. Uh, but you can imagine this whole thing would be rhyming. Um, yeah. So here we go. Arthur then said to her, why, what do you desire from me? And she said, sir, I would eagerly speak with you now and tell you good news. Despite all the answers from your book that you can say, none of them shall help you. You will find out that you don't know the answer by the cross. You think I don't know your secret, but I warn you that I know every detail. If I choose not to help you, you will surely die. Grant me, sir king. Um, which is my favorite double title. I love Sir King. I wish we could throw in like a doctor there, you know? I'm into that. It's like yeah. doctor, doctor, doctor. Yeah. <laughs> nice. 
so grant me, Sir King, just one thing, and I shall guarantee your life. Otherwise, you will lose your head. So she wants something, and uh, she knows about Sir, uh, uh, Sir King, uh, King Arthur's problem here, right? That he has to answer a question. And she's uh, saying that she has the answer for it, right? Arthur says back, what do you mean, lady? Tell me quickly, for greatly despise your words, and I believe I have no need of you. What is it you desire, fair lady? Uh, anyway, yes, what, uh, sorry, what is it you desire? Let me know right away. And what is your meaning? Why is my life in your hand? Tell me, and I shall guarantee you will have anything you ask for. Forsooth, she said the lady, I am no qued, which means uh, like a wicked person. And I love that saying. Uh, I want to call more people queds. Um, you must grant me one of your knights to wed, whose name is Sir Gowan. So mm. if you want me to give you the answer, uh. yeah, you got to let me marry Sir Gowan. Mm -hmm. Okay. I will make a covenant with you that if my answer saves your life, you will grant me Sir Gowan to be his wife. Consider this now, Sir King, for it must be so, or you are as good as dead. Choose now because you may lose your head. Tell me now your choice quickly. Mary, said the queen, uh, said the king, I may not grant what you ask to make a guarantee that Sir Gowan will wed you. That power lies in him alone. But if it may be so, I will do all I can in my life uh, is saved to secure that outcome for you. To Gawain, I will make lament. She said, well... Go home again and speak fair words to Sir Gawain, because I may save your life, though I am foul, yet I am gracious. Through me, he may save your life, or he may cause your death. So in other words, go ask him what, what he wants to do, because the king's like, I can't make that promise. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. if I live, I'll make it happen, right? He said, alas now, woe is me, that's the king, that I should cause Gawain to wed you, because he will be loath to say no when I ask him. So foul a lady as you are now, I have never seen in my life or my travels. I know not what to do. So the king is just like, you ugly sister. And uh, yeah. I don't want to subject my boy to it, which is incredibly, uh, I mean, it's kind of messed up in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting that she has to be rich too, right? I think this actually would have been right. more interesting if she was uh, not rich, if she was like riding like some emaciated donkey, right? Like she's just the epitome of the sin of ugliness. But, eh, you know, medieval times, like we said, uh, they've got some limitations in terms of how gendered they're going to be here. So she said, no matter, Sir King, even though I am foul, even an owl has the choice to take a mate. And it's bizarre. I don't know like what an owl has to do with this other than like, again, um, people are really into animal comparisons in the middle ages. Um, and oh, they totally. were much, yeah, they're just much more attuned to nature than we were, you know? Right. Um, you had to, like I mentioned, like butchering a deer, you know, like who butchers an animal today's day, dude, you know, like nobody, fucking nobody, right. you know, not themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a population that does it, but it, you can go your entire life without having to do that process because things like supermarkets exist in the middle ages. Right. You saw that shit. There's no, there's not even refrigeration, you know? So like right. nature is around you constantly and it's a living, you know, it's a weird thing, but they, they pay attention to it. So anyway, mm -hmm. um, so she continues and says here at this point, after he said all these mean words, um, we will speak of this no more. I shall meet you here right in this spot when you come again for your answer, or else I will know you are lost, meaning he's going to die, right? Uh, 
the king then said, uh, farewell, lady. She said, yes, sir. There is a bird men call an owl, and yet a lady I am, which is horrifically confusing here. Um, and our editor offers that the precise import of this line is unclear. So this is one of those things that even people today's day, medieval scholars that spend their life um, knowing that this happens occasionally in text, we don't even know what they're saying right here. Um, so it could be a misprint. Um, it could be that she's meaning an owl to refer to both her own uh, monstrousness, like she's an owl, because um, owls are chiefly negative um, in the medieval times. But it's a bizarre thing to put in, uh, and we're not quite sure why she says it, which I think is beautiful. You know, um, you know, we'll always wonder about that. And to her natural yeah. rights uh, as a human being, or to her repellent appearance. So God knows. Um, but there it is. Anyway, the King Arthur asks, "What's your name? I pray that you tell me." She answers, Dame Ragnell is my name. Now have a good day, Sir King. Godspeed thee on the way. Right here is where I shall meet you. Thus they departed fair and well. Then the king went to Carlisle and his heart was heavy and great, meaning painful here. The first man that the king met when he returned was Sir Gawain. Sir Gawain then asked the king, sir, how have you sped? And the king answered, truthfully, I've never been so ill. Alas, I am at the point that I am ready myself to spill, which means he's like ready to kill himself, right? right. Sir Gawain says, nay, that should not be. I would rather be dead myself than you. This appears to be bad news, which, duh. Um, Arthur continues, Gawain, I met today with the foulest lady that I have ever seen, certainly. She said that she could save my life, but she needed a husband first. For these reasons, I am woe begone. Thus, in my heart, I make great moan. Uh, is that all, replied Sir Gawain? I shall wed her and wed her again. Though she were a fiend, uh, meaning a devil here, right? Um, though she were as foul as Beelzebub, uh, which is cool that he's making an appearance in this, um, I shall wed her by the cross or else you couldn't consider myself a friend. So Sir Gowan's like, yes, absolutely. I'll marry this super ugly chick. No problem. And one second here. All right. I have been talking all day with school and classes and whatnot. So my voice is at its wits end, but I will survive this podcast. <coughs> All right. Gawain continues, for you are my king who has great honor and you have honored me in many a battle. Therefore, I shall not hesitate to do as you ask to save your life. Lord is my part, meaning role, or else I could be called a great coward. And I honor you all the more by doing this. King Arthur states, indeed, Gawain, I met her in Inglewood, Inglewood. Uh, she told me her name by the cross and her name was Dame Ragnall. She told me that unless I had her answer, I would never find success and live through this obstacle. She promised that her answer would help me well, but she had no desire to deal with me unless I could fulfill her covenant, uh, meaning deal here. And if her answer helps me and no other answers will, then she would have you. Here is everything that she guaranteed. As for this, Gawain said, this will not get in the way of your success. I will wed her at whatever time you set. I pray you have no concern for even as she was the most foul creature ever uh, that man had ever seen with sight for your love, I would not hesitate to marry her. So Gawain's in it to win it. He's pretty right or die. Gramercy. And I love this line too. Uh, Gramercy is like a French and it means like grand mercy, like many thanks or, uh, you know, uh, but it's also a street in LA called Gramercy. It's pretty famous, so yeah. it's in South Central. Uh, Gawain said uh, of, to King Arthur, 
of all the nights you bear the flower, uh, or excuse me, King Arthur is saying this to Gawain now, of all the nights you bear the flower, once again, we got that line, uh, that I have ever known, my honor and my life you have saved forever. Therefore, my love for you will never be severed as long as I am the king in this land. Then within five or six days, apparently the narrator doesn't know which, the king and Sir Gawain rode out of town. No man was with them except for them two. They were alone from near to far. When the king was in the forest, he said, Sir Gawain, farewell, I must go west. You shall not go with me any further. Gawain said, my lord, good God speed you on your journey. I wish that I should now ride your way because I'm very distressed at our parting. The king, so they got like a little bromance going. Uh, the king had ridden but a little while, just a little more than the space of a mile before he met the dame Ragnall. Ah, sir king, you are now welcome here. I perceive that you ride to deliver your answer that will uh, avail you not at all. The king said, now, since it not be otherwise, tell me your answer now and save my life. Gawain shall wed you. He has promised to save my life, so you will have what you desire, both in chamber and in bed. Meaning that, you know, you can't just marry her. He's got to like right. consummate. consummate. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Therefore, yeah. tell me now quickly. Yeah, and she, she, she ugly, right? So, you know, apparently it's a big deal. Yeah. Therefore, tell me now quickly. What help can you give me at least? Be quick. I cannot wait. Dame Ragnall said, Sir, now you shall have what women desire most of high and low ranked people. From this, I will not deviate. Okay, so here you're going to get the answer from this lady. Yeah. yeah, here we go. Let's see. Some men say that we desire to be fair. And I love the way that she starts this. She starts it by saying, like, this is what men think women want, right? Also, we desire to have repair, which is like traffic. I think this means like fucking. I mean, if I'm honest, uh, with different diverse, strange men. So, you know, she thinks, you know, that that's what men want. Also, we love to have lust in bed and often we desire to wed. So, you know, again, she's throwing out like a bunch of stereotypes. Right. And some, by the way, some women may want to have lust in bed and power to them. You know, <laughs> like that is absolutely fine. Uh, all these things are fine for the most part, right? If these are the things you want, uh, I think it's right. funny that a man is kind of like gatekeeping this, right? Uh, but it right. is a woman that's like delivering this. So at least that's, uh, you know, in some ways like a good thing. But it, uh, she continues, thus you men do not understand that we desire another thing. To be regarded as not old, but fresh and young with flattery and cajolery and special art so that you men may win us women over with whatever you think we want. Ragnell continues, you act very foolishly. I will not lie. But there is one thing that is all women's fantasy. So that last part, by the way, is she's saying that um, she think, uh, men think that women just want to be fresh and young and like fool around and just be that way forever. Um, but that's not what women want, is what she's saying. You're, you're silly if you think that, right? You're foolish. So there is one thing that is all women's fantasy and that you shall know now without lying. I tell you that we women desire above all other things to have sovereignty over men of all, both high and low born. So in other words, they just want some control, you know, like they yeah. just, yeah. Because when we have sovereignty, all is ours. If there was a knight who was incredibly fierce it is our most cherished desire to be master of that Lord, such as women's skill and art. Hmm. So in a way, what, what she's saying to you and what she's pointing to is that 
she wants her freedom, right? To be able to direct somebody else, you know, um, and, and to have control, you know, uh, of her own decisions, her own things. And that, I, I, I think there's an element of truth in that still today, because uh, it's definitely a role reversal. A lot of men, you know, uh, and, and a lot of ways that relationships are kind of defined is by man taking mm-hmm. control, mastery of a woman. You know, he mm-hmm. takes her name, he takes, uh, you know, uh, control of that person. Um, it's interesting, uh, but it's an institution that's certainly st- uh, stems over from that time. But it's interesting that even right. back then, they're like, no, women want the opposite of that, right? Right. Yeah. So, you know, you have proof that even 400, 500 years ago, uh, there's already uh, definitive proof that uh, a woman's right or, or a feministic mind is right. something that women wanted, you know? Well, women's rights is still fairly new concept fairly young if you look at the span of history civilized you know society like it's still fairly new so the idea i'll say this the actual granting of like civil rights to women execution of it yeah right actually ruling it out that being said there's interesting pockets there obviously yeah they've been always there right women have always been like um you know fuck this is fucked up (laughs) yeah yeah right and so it's just interesting, you know, and you can find that in uh, ancient writings too. So uh, anyway, right. she continues, therefore go Sir King on your way until that night, as I say to you, that it is as we desire most, he will be angry and bitter and curse her that taught you this answer for his uh, labor will be lost. Sorry, for his labor will be lost. Go forth, Sir King, and keep your promise for your life is secure now in all ways as I do declare. The king rode forth at great speed as fast as he might go through the mire, moors, and fens to arrive at the place that was assigned to him. He met in that place with Sir Gromer, and Gromer spoke to Arthur with stern words right away. Come on, Sir King, now let's hear your answer. What shall it be? For I am fully prepared. The king pulled out two books. Sir, here is my answer, I dare say to you, for one of these will have to help in my hour of need. Sir Gromer. So he's going to read from the books first before he tells him what the lady told him. That way, maybe he gets it right. And Sir Gowan doesn't right. have to marry this woman, right? Oh, right, right, right. You're still fulfilling it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So the king pulled out the two books here. Uh, here is my answer. Uh, oh, yeah, we got that part. Um, Sir Gromer, look on them, everyone. Nay, nay, Sir King, he said. You are a dead man. You shall definitely now bleed. So he goes through the books. He's like, nope, 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 nope. None of these are the correct answer. King Arthur uh, then says, abide, Sir Gromer. I have one answer that will settle everything. Let's hear it, then said Sir Gromer. Or else, so God help me as I tell you, your death you shall have at my great pleasure. I tell you now, surely. Now, said the king, I see as I guess that inside of you there is very little gentleness by God who is ever helping. Here is our answer, and that is that all that women desire, most especially, I say no more, except that above all things, women desire sovereignty for that is their great pleasure. And that is their deepest desire to have control of the manliest man. And then they are happy. Thus, they taught me so that I could give this answer to you, Sir Gromer. I pray that I never see the woman who told you this, said Sir Gromer, because I would love to see her burned in a fire. It had to be my, yeah, right. Uh, So he doesn't like her. And then he continues, it had to be my sister, Dame Ragnall, 
that old nag. So this dude, yeah, right? It's his sister. I hope that God shames her. Otherwise, I would have killed you. Now I have lost the fruit of my efforts. He continues, go where you will, King Arthur. Alas, that I ever have a day like this. You have no need to fear me anymore. Now I know well my enemy you will be. And at such a plight, I will never get you. My song will be well away. And I don't know what that means. Like, I have no fucking clue what well away means. But it seems like he's just like, well away! And just like runs (laughs) into the forest, you know? (laughs) So, no, said the king. Of that, I can guarantee. Uh, Some armor I will have made to prepare myself for combat. I swear to God, in such a situation as you found me before, you shall never find me again. And if you do, have me beat and bound as living proof. Sir Gromer says, now you have a good day. I guess that's how we're ending this one. Arthur says, farewell. As I prosper, I am glad that things worked out this way. King Arthur turned his horse onto the plain, and soon he met with Dame Ragnall again in that same place and spot. Sir King, I am glad that you have fared well. I told you how it would be, every detail. Now hold to me what you have promised, since I have saved your life, and none other, Gawain, must wed me. Sir Arthur, who I am hoping is a full gentle knight, will agree. Arthur said, no, lady, I shall not fail to deliver what I promised to do with you. As long as you will be ruled by my counsel and keep your marriage secret, you shall get what you desire. So he's saying, like, you got to agree that I'm in charge and you got to keep this thing a secret. Okay. Ragnall says, no, Sir King, I will not have it. So. Openly or publicly, I will be wed or I shall leave here and you will have great shame. Think about how I have saved your life. Therefore, with me, you shall not have great strife. For if you do, you will be the one to blame. The king was greatly shamed by her, but she continued on, even though the king was grieved until they came to Carlisle. She rode into the court. No man could stop her on her mission, which I love that line. That's such a feminist line. Um, It's a totally kill bill, right? Uh, everyone in the country had great wonder from where that foul creature had come from because they had never seen such a foul creature in their lives. And I have to add, notice that they really haven't given you a description. They're just leaving it to your imagination. What foul means to you. You know, um, they gave us some description earlier about uh, some of her body parts, but like, um, you know, all we got was that she's kind of deformed, you know, like uh, anyway, into the hall they went. And Ragnall says, Arthur, King, summon Sir Gowan for me and all the knights quickly, that we, uh, Sir Gawain and Dame Ragnall, may pledge our lives together before all of your knights. This was your promise. So come on, let's have this done. Bring my love, Sir Gawain, to me immediately, for I cannot wait any longer. So Dame Ragnall's like, let's get this show on the road. Then Sir Gawain came forth. Sire, I am ready to agree to what you promised. Ragnall then said, God of mercy, for your sake, I wish I was a good woman because you are of so good will. And I think if I'm reading this right, she's internalized the hell out of the patriarchy. Like she just believes herself to be a horrible person, right? Uh, then Sir Gawain pledged himself to her. Dame Ragnall in well and woe, so in good times and bad, uh, because he was a true knight. Afterwards, Dame Ragnall was glad. Alas, said Dame, uh, Dame Guinevere. So Guinevere is watching all this, right? Uh, King Arthur's wife. And uh, she says, alas, and as did all the ladies in the chamber who began to weep 
for Sir Gawain. So they're just crying for him because of his ugly wife, which is kind of fucked up. Um, Alas, then said both the king and Gawain. <laughs> so even Gawain's like, ah, fuck. Uh, that Gawain should have to wed such a creature uh, because she, Ragnall, was so foul and horrible. And, and here they're going to give you some more descriptions of how fucked up her mouth is. She had two teeth on each side of her mouth that appeared to be boar's tusks. I will not hide that they were the length of a whole hand. So she's got okay. teeth the size of a hand right. coming out of her mouth, right, on each side. And it's more like animal imagery, right? She looks like sure. a uh, boar. Yeah. yeah. The one tusk went up and the other went down. A oh, mouth nice. full wide and foully grown with many gray hairs that formed a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> She's rocking yes. the cop stash. Yeah. Yes, please. Her okay. lip. Yeah. Her lips lay lumpish on her chin. She had no yes. neck that could be seen. <laughs> oh She's no neck. She sounds like a blobfish with like, yeah. tusk and a mustache. Uh, yeah. Nice. Envisioning this person is just amazing. It sounds like a Star Wars character. Um, right. She was a loathly creature. Yeah, that's certain. If there hadn't been a promise to marry her made in all the Shire, both in town and borough, she would have never been married. Dame Ragnall made sure to have all the ladies of the land come to ensure the wedding feast would happen. So Dame Ragnall invites everybody. She's like, oh, fuck no, this isn't going to be private. You got to marry me straight up, right? Nice. So they planned a day where that foul maiden could marry Sir Gawain. When the day arrived, when the marriage should happen, the ladies had great pity. They were sad. Alas, they began to say, there's a lot of saying alas. The queen begged Dame Ragnall to be married in the morning early and as privately as possible. So Guinevere is like, please, right? Don't do this. I don't want to be seeing all this. Uh, Dame Ragnall, of course, Dame Ragnall said, nay, by heaven's king, I will never do what you ask, regardless of what you can say or do for me. I will be wed publicly, just as the king had promised me. I assure you, I will not go to the church until it is high mass time. That's when everybody's there during high mass. Then in the open hall, I will dine in the midst of all the court. So she's going to be right there when uh, everybody's having dinner, right in the middle of it. It's her party and she's going to get mm. it, you know. Uh, Dame Gaynor, which is uh, also a name for Guinevere. That's the more uh, French name, uh, I mm. think. Or maybe that's a more English name. I got to look into it. It's Gaynor. I don't know. I got to dig into that a little bit, but I know Guinevere has a couple of different names that get tossed around. Yeah. 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 And she says, uh, I agree, but I am only thinking about you and your husband, which is kind of fucked up. No, she's not. She's thinking about herself, dude. <laughs> you know, like she doesn't want to go to some ugly ass wedding. Exactly. Rag yeah. Ragnar responds. Yes. As for that lady, God save you this day. I will have my worship meaning marriage. I will tell you without boast. She made herself ready and went into the fair church, as did all those of noble rank without lying. She was dressed in the richest manner, more fresher. Literally, it says fresher. So she is looking fresher. Nice. Like that's a medieval word. Like they were like, yeah. oh, dang, you fresh. fresh. Yeah, that, nice. ex that, that existed several hundred that years survived ago. survived all, all these years. I yeah. like it. Yeah. You fresh. All right. So Ain't nobody dope as me. Just so fresh. So fresh, so clean, right? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, absolutely. So fresh, <laughs> so know, clean, clean. But this good lady doesn't sound too clean. The snot nose, the boar mouth. Yeah. Well, you know, Any, I think it's her yeah. dress is fresh. 
right? Gotcha. Gotcha. So she fresh dressed like a million dollars. Um, and, and it says yep. uh, that she's fresher than Guinevere. So that's an accomplishment, Dang. right? Yeah, yeah, right. Like uh, Guinevere is supposed okay. to be, you know, the highest yeah. high, right? Like Mary Darth. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, her dress was more, uh, was worth more than 3,000 marks. So, um, which is about 2,000 pounds. It signifies not a specific amount, but simply the extravagance of Ragnall's clothing of good red nobles coins, stiff and stark. So richly was she done up. Despite her attire, she was still the foulest creature that I have ever heard tell about. So foul a creature no man had ever seen. So in spite of the fact that she's dressed up really rich, right? she ugly. It goes somewhere. We only have like a couple pages left here, my friend. So this uh, no is about no to worries. wrap up very quickly. To make a I'm short conclusion. It. Cool. I'm glad, my friend. Yeah. To make a short conclusion, when she was wed, they headed home as soon as they could in order to have dinner. Okay, so they're they're married now. They're done, right? They had their their feast, and and this is happening here uh, now. They're going to their feast. The foul lady occupied the first place on the dais, which is queenly shit, right? She's so she's up on like the front top. She was very foul and not courteous at all. So said everyone ter, uh, truly. When the service, the platters came before her. She ate as much as six people could eat. <laughs> all right, all right. Many a man marveled, and again, drink. It's, uh, so many men marveled at this. Uh, her nails were three inches long with which she broke her bread unmannerly, and she ate alone, not waiting for anybody. <laughs> so she All got right. like, claws, and she just tearing into bread. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Big girl want to eat. Right, right. Stay out of her way, dude. Big yeah. mama's house. Yeah, but what's wrong with that? Like, you know, like, fuck all these people. You want to eat, girl? Like, you know, no, I mean, shit, right? Like, go for it as long as you're not disrespecting the king queen. That's all I know from back then. You well, know, back yeah. then, yeah. I, but, I, yeah, I'm thinking modern, like, because fuck a king yeah. and a queen. Like, how did they get their <laughs> position? They were just born that right. way. That's not even right, cool. right, right. You know, it's like, not earned. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, fuck exactly. these people, dude. Fuck them all. You know, like, yeah, I'm with big girl on this one. Is what I'm saying, unequivocally. No yeah, get your bread. Fuck these people. So uh, all of them, too, just inherited titles and things like that. Right. Like uh, it's very rare that anybody immediately if if somebody goes from peasant to being rich, it's usually because their parents were secretly kings and queens. Right. It's like a Moses right. kind of thing, you know, like. Right. Uh, they didn't know. Now they know. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, like that's in the King Arthur stories I've read when he gets a sword in the stone, the actual sword in the stone. Like that's what happens is he secretly got family that's royal. Right, uh, that he doesn't know about because he's been spirited away or whatever. Yeah, Saint Margaret. strange. And then he gets older and comes of age. Yeah, right. And then his powers manifest, and it turns out he is kingly. You know, and like he's uh, a mutant. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> the X gene. Yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, so anyway, it's going to describe what she ate here, which is amazing. So she ate three capons, which are um, castrated roosters. Um, if you didn't know. Okay. Uh, it apparently makes them uh, tasty and birds are big game back then. Um, so she ate three capons and also three curlews, which are a type of shorebird that has a long downturned beak. So she's had six chickens, <laughs> essentially, if you want to think of it. Right. I think Hell curlews yeah. are, are fairly big. Capons are pretty big. They're, you know, they're male chickens. So, um, you know, they're pretty mm. good size. 
Uh, and apparently these uh, uh, were common in the 1800s, these uh, curlews, uh, but they're actually in steep decline now. I looked this up, like uh, you can't really hunt these and they're not even um, native to a lot of places that they used to be back when this was written. Um, so yeah. anyway, like I said, she's eaten about six chicken sized birds and she also uh, ate great bacamita, uh, uh, bacamitas, which is roasted meats of no specificity. So she's eating mm -hmm. a bunch of roast meat uh, and by God, all men who witnessed this had marvel. Again, drink. Uh, there was no meat that was brought before her that she would turn down. She ate it up from the small to the large. That crafty foul damsel did. <laughs> they called her crafty. Uh, foul. Uh, 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 she's crafty. She's crafty, dude. Yeah. She's just my time. <laughs> all men who saw her bade the devil to gnaw her bones. <laughs> <laughs> which is like whoa, a weird way to say whoa. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Both knights and squires, which is a weird sentence. I'm guessing they don't like her much. Uh, they want the devil to eat her bones. Um, she ate right. that way until the meat was gone, until they cleared the tables and washed the hall, as is the custom and the manner. So she's just like powering through her meal and just continuing on. Many men would speak of various courses. I trust you may know enough that there was meats that were both tame and wild. In King Arthur's court, there was no lack of what food could be got by men's hand from forest and field. There were minstrels from diverse countries. Then our editor tells us the manuscript is missing a page right here. There's like a whole page is just gone. Like I don't know, nobody knows what happened to it. Containing about 70 lines. The narrative continues at the moment of Ragnall's and Gawain's wedding night, which is a thing that happens super often in medieval texts. And um, there's a lot of talk about, um, uh, or not that the uh, wedding night happens often, but there's a lot of talk of like how much um, knowledge is actually missing because pages go missing. Um, there's even right. a famous uh, text that the, um, it was written in, um, I want to say it was like Gaelic. Um, it could be that it was written in Welsh, right? Um, but the people were English. And so they thought the book was gibberish, right? These uh, maids. And so they, right. were, they were cutting out pages, rolling them up oh and lighting God. all the candles around the house. Oh no. Using the pages. Yeah. Until somebody was like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Like, this is, I can read this. This is my book. What are you doing? Right. They were Gaelic, like, ah. let's, let's be real. Gaelic looks and sounds like gibberish anyway. So. That is not wrong. I'm going to say that. How do you pronounce uh, it? When I read oh, it, I'm man. like, oh, I can read this. And then I hear someone say what I'm reading and I go, never mind. Oh yeah, you can see it. I would, some... Go on. I would I would light candles with those pages, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I feel bad, but I feel like, hey, no one else knows how to read it. So. Right. You think this has got to be like a kid's book or something. I don't know, right? So right. Um, I totally understand that. There you are, Peter. Hey, hey. Stop. Right. Said to say goodnight to my daughter real quick. Oh, yeah, so. yeah. No worries. Yeah. Thanks. We'll be uh probably done in about 20 minutes or so, by the way. Oh, I'm I'm in no rush. And I it's like I want to give commentary, but I also want to hear the ending. So yeah, no worries, no rush. I she just after she goes down like then I'm actually kind of free so it's, it's quite all right yeah awesome man uh, and again I really appreciate your taking your time out to do this for yeah. me yeah very Heck cool yeah I like this one um, for a minute I thought I 
knew it okay because i had written some of them but but you know like pretty much all arthurian tales are like challenges or propositions and you know so uh, and then then it kind of changed like this part with the wedding i'm like i don't know i don't think i've i don't know this one so so i like it i like it yeah very cool the birds eating birds yeah. And I'd like to, uh, I'd like you, especially at the end, to talk about those challenges again, um, because that is a super common thing that happens, right? Like, uh, meet me back here in a year, right? And, right. and shit's gonna go down, you know, like some right. some kind of challenge, some kind of like thing is gonna mm-hmm. happen, you know. Like in this case, he was like, "Tell me what women want," you know, which is like bullshit. Right? Like, How do right. I know you're not just gonna say no to everything? <laughs> you know, like yeah. So, hmm. but you know, in this world, it's it's whatever, you know. It, it, these are essentially you know these medieval stories especially king arthur are like uh, comic books and we'll talk about that right. at the end let's get back to it for now sure sure yeah all right um when this so again there's been a lot of history lost to the ravages of time and especially the process of decomposition um I, I think of like the Langoliers a bit when I think about, um, you know, medieval literature, like there's so much that's just eaten away from just insects or mold or fires right. or floods, you know, um, and these things. So there's so much total information loss. But I actually think uh, today's day we have, from what I heard, um, I took a digital uh, literacy course at one point. Oh, nice. And I've heard that there's actually like an incredible amount of data loss in modern times, that's actually even bigger than, you know, if if you were to factor it in, because, you know, like, how long can you host certain items? Like, where, where's the cutoff time? You know what I mean? Like, uh, right, right. You know, so eventually emails dissolve, like, literally, they just go away. Eventually, uh, you know, like, uh, the, the server space required to house certain things becomes so um, large that they just start mm-hmm. deleting things you know they're like hey we'll keep mm-hmm. your files for like nine years you know which is you know i understand you know you're not even right. paying anything it's this is all being funded through ad dollars and um, there's got to be a line somewhere in the sand but think of all the data that we're losing in general you know um mm. i wonder how that's going to impact or maybe it's the same thing you know in some ways um but there's so many stories that we lose because of that so much genius lost just information uh, i don't know i think about it i wax philosophical so yeah anyway uh, back to the story um so here it does get kind of juicy so again we've just missed a page we're jumping back into it it's a wedding night now right they've moved away from her, uh, talking about how how um she wants to eat a bunch of chickens and roast meats i guess and she's eating till the end of the story and she says ragnall says since i have wed you you must show me your courtesy in bed as is my right which will not be denied so I love that too, because the girl is like actively seeking sex uh, versus the guy, you know, it's usually like seen as a very male led thing. So exactly. that's good that she's just like, well, we're you're gonna, we're gonna fuck now, you know, get your fuck pants on. <laughs> so the lady continues, surely, Sir Gawain, if I were fair, I'm sure you would be acting differently unless you don't care about wedlock. So I think she's uh, questioning whether Sir Gawain is going to be faithful to his marriage. Yet for Arthur's sake, you should kiss me at least. I pray you do this at my request. Let's see how you fare. Sir Gowan said, I will do more than kiss you by God. He turned himself toward her. So Gawain seems into it, right? 
it's kind of a ride or die homie. He's, he's definitely, a, which makes me think he really likes Arthur more. You know, I think he's just like hot for Arthur. So he turned himself <laughs> towards her, <laughs> right? Uh, he turned himself towards her. He saw her as the fairest creature that he ever saw without compare. She said, what is your will? Now to recap, because this is pretty subtle and it's just bad writing. Uh, but again, writing is kind of new for these people. So we're okay with it. Um, when Gawain said he would do more than kiss her, he turns and sees that Ragnall is now transformed into a beautiful woman, which is obviously heavily problematic. Um, if you think about it, right? Like what they're saying about, um, you know, an ugly girl is that uh, anyway. So uh, I'll, I'll talk more about this later, but I think there's some problems there. Gawain responds, I, Jesus, what are you? And so the fairest of the fair version, um, again, which is what the text li literally says, uh, uh, the fairest, oh no, it doesn't actually say that. I'm sorry, that's my invention. The fairest of the fair version of Ragnall responds, sir, I am your wife without doubt. Why are you so unkind? He responds, I lady, I am to blame. I beg for your mercy, my fair madam. I was not thinking clearly. You are a lady who is quite fair in my sight, but earlier today, you were the foulest creature that I had ever seen with my eyes. Well is me, which kind of modernizes to fuck yeah. And Gawain continues, I have you as you are. And he embraced her in his arms and began to kiss her and made great joy, in quotes, surely. So um, if he's okay. making, yeah, I think uh, that means they're fucking, all right? So Ragnall then said, sir, thus shall you have me, but you must choose one of two options. Right? God save me. My beauty will not hold its shape. You must decide whether you would have me to be fair at night and be uh, foul oh, to men yeah. all day to look upon. So I did. Yeah. Or else Sorry. to have me fair on days and at night to be the foulest wife. You must make a choice. One or the other, it is your decision. So you've heard something like this? Yes, yes, I have. I have heard this one. Yeah, sorry. It's it's like the last actual anything medieval as a book that I that I've been involved with media wise in the written form is like Michael Crichton's timeline. That's like the last like actual medieval themed, and that was more with like French castles and stuff, but. Um, so these are theory and tell stuff. I mean, certain things are dragging memory, but yes, I totally remember, remember this, this, uh, this, uh, question. I was going to say a riddle, but it's not, it's just, these are his options. So yeah, I'll let you finish. I'll let you finish, but I was excited because I'm like, okay, now I remember. So. Yeah, no. And that's great. Um, you know, a lot of these stories are super obscure. So I'm always happy when anybody's run into any kind of text like this or has any kind of cursory knowledge, um, because they are super fun, man. Um, yeah. so our editor adds uh, here, the choice offered by Ragnall, fair on nights or fair on days, is the same in marriage and in Gower's Tale of Florence. So uh, this is like a theme. It's like appeared in several different types of um, books here. The choice in the wife of Bath's tale, foul and old or, and true humble wife or young and fair and take your adventure on sexual faithfulness is another comparison. Chaucer's version makes more explicit the conflict embedded in the other three versions, namely public versus private male enjoyment of the lady's sexual attractions. So like, right, you know, right. and that's, you know, um, that's the choice that's being offered here, right? Like if she's fair 
in, uh, well, we'll see what Sir Gowan says here. So Gowan says, right. uh, alas, the choice is hard. To choose the best course here is confounding. Whatever choice that I choose, whether to have you fare on nights and nothing else, that would grieve my heart right sorely. And I should lose my honor, courteousness, uh, would I lose. And if I desire on days to have you fare, then on nights, I should have simple repair, which means like dismal relations means he is having like horrible sex, right? So, cause he doesn't find her hot. Now, happily, I would make a choice, but I have no idea what I should say right now, except to tell you that you should do what pleases you, my lady, right? Um, I put the choice in your fist hand, uh, which means like hand for us today. So I put the choice in your fist, meaning hand. I put the matter in your hand. Do as you wish. Release me when you desire, for I am bound to you. I put the choice to you to make. Now, I want you to count how many things are Arthur lists in this next sentence, okay? Both body and goods, heart and every part of me is now your own. I vow to God, that's, uh, so again, um, body, goods, heart, and every part. So that's like four things that Gowen says that you can have, right? To buy or sell, uh, let me see. Sorry, I wrote a bunch of notes here. Okay, let me start that part over. So then Gowan says, both body and goods, heart and every part of me is now yours to own. I vow to God, you may have me to buy or sell. So in other words, he's saying, you can do whatever you want. You know, uh, you're mine. Both options. I think he's saying it because both options are not great, right? They have right. A, a downside. Yeah. So, you know, he doesn't, it's not because he's a, a gentleman in this case, right? Like he's really mm. considering her, but maybe it is. I don't know. But anyway, he gives her power, right? And remember what, what, what we said earlier? Yeah, yeah exactly. Sovereignty, 100%, right? Uh, Grand mercy, so many thanks, courteous knight, said the lady. Of all earthly knights, blessed may you be, for I am finally honored properly. Thou shalt have me fair both day and night, and ever while I live as fair and bright. Therefore, do not be grieved. So this is where the story, I think, just takes a nosedive. Like, it could have been a cool tale about, like, how you have to give women power. But instead... Because he said the right thing, she's going to be beautiful all the time, forever and ever and ever. Okay. So, because he said the right thing, man. Yeah. So he gets this super hot wife <laughs> who's super cool and super rich, right? Uh, Ragnar continues I was transformed by necromancy, by my stepdame. God have mercy on her. Um, and I think necromancy or uh, negromancy, as it's, as it's written here, is a cool medieval word, you know, um, especially if you love like uh, RPGs as I do, it's death magic, right? right? So yeah. Right. Um, and it sounds like she had like Cinderella problems uh, because of her stepmother. Um, but it was like Cinderella problems in Skyrim, as you mentioned earlier. Right, so right. Pretty fucking sick. Um, so it says that uh, Ragnall continues, my stepmother cursed me so that I should have been understood otherwise until the best knight of England had married me truly. And also he had to give me servant uh, sovereignty of all his body and goods, surely. Until I married that knight and won his trust, she continues, I would remain deformed. And you, sir knight, courteous Gawain, have given me my sovereignty, certainly. And I know that will, you will not ever hurt me. Kiss me, sir knight, right here and now, I pray thee. Be glad and make good cheer. 
for well is my begone, meaning she's happy. There they made joy beyond imagining, which you can imagine what that means. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the editor tells us, so far as it accorded with nature, the two of them alone. So that's pretty suggestive. She thanked God and mild Mary. She was recovered from the spell, the curse that had defiled her and as had done Gawain. And I don't feel like they should have included Gawain here as being cursed because like, what the fuck, dude? Like, this is what right. you promised, man. <laughs> you know? So anyway. He made mirth in all of her chamber. That's literally what Oh, my. Yeah. Okay. Which is a great t-shirt I got to make at some point. Messy, um, messy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> make mirth in all of her chamber. Uh, and he thanked our savior for everything. I tell you, certainly. With joy and mirth, they, Gowan and Ragnall, they stayed awake until dawn. And then arose that fair uh, maiden, meaning she's still the pretty virgin. So they they essentially fucked till dawn. And then when the sun came, they were like, yay, she's still beautiful. Right. Don't get up, said Sir Gowan. Let's lie here and sleep until mid-morning. Literally prima is what it says, uh, which is prime, I guess. It means roughly 6 to 9 a.m., which doesn't sound like they're sleeping in that much. Honestly, I'm like, if you get up at right. 6 a.m., that ain't sleeping in, dude. <laughs> you know? No, no, yeah. not for me. Yeah. yeah. So they want to lie there and wait for the king to call us to dine with him. I am agreed, said Ragnall. Thus, it passed forth until midday. Finally, the king said, sirs, let us go and find out if Sir Gawain be alive. I am fully afraid for Sir Gawain's fate. Now I will check to see if the foul fiend has slain him. So they think he's still in there with the ugly version and they're really worried for their homie, right? right. So uh, they're like, we should, we should go in. We should burst in there and see if, she's, if he's still alive or if tusk-faced lady uh, ate him. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, so let's go, said King Arthur. We will go see their uprising, how well he is doing. They ran to the chamber, all unsure of what they would find. The king shouted at the door, arise, why do you sleep so long in bed? Mary, said Sir Gawain. Sir King, surely I would be glad if you would let me be, for I am very well at ease. Abide a moment and you shall find the door open. I trust that you will say I am well off. I am completely reluctant to get up and open the door. Sir Gawain rose eventually and in his hand, he took his fair lady and to the door he went quickly. And then he opened the door very widely. She stood in her smock, which is a nightdress for ladies common in the Middle Ages right by that fire. So they open the door and they're in there, you know, closed. But she's all beautiful now, right? Uh, her hair was to her knees and as red as gold wire. So she's got like this long, super red hair because apparently that's super hot. Low is the, my source of comfort. Low, said Gawain unto Arthur. Gawain continues, sir, this is my wife, Dame Ragnall, that saved your life. <laughs> Then he told the king and queen in their presence how suddenly she had reverted from her monstrousness. Then he said, my lord, now by your leave. And he told the king how Ragnall had been transformed from the misshapen Ragnall that she was. I thank God, said the queen. This is the very shallow Guinevere. I thought, Sir Gawain, she had harmed you. Therefore, in my heart, I was sorely grieved, but I see the contrary here. Then there was game, revelry, and play, and every man began to say to the other, she, Ragnall, talking about Ragnall, is a fair person, a fair creature. Then the king began to tell them all how Dame Ragnall did help him in time of need. Without her, he said, his death would have been certain. There the king told the queen by the cross how he was bested in Inglewood. 
there uh, by Sir Gromer Somer Jura. And that Sir Gromer made him swear an oath or else he would have slain him right there without mercy or measure. This same lady, Dame Ragnall, from my death saved me right well, all for the love of Gowan. Then Gowan told the king completely how she was forsaken, means transformed, by her stepmother until a knight had helped her. So it's like literal white knighting. There she, Ragnall, told the king fair uh, how Gawain gave her every part of his sovereignty and that he gave up his choice to her. She said, God, thank him for his courtesy. He saved me from mischance and villainy that was fully foul and grim. Therefore, I make a promise to never hurt the courteous knight, Sir Gowan, surely. Get ready for the most fucked up part of the story. Um, this should make you a little mad, and there's no recovering from this piece, but the text reads, while I live, I shall be obedient. To God, I guarantee that I will never uh, debate with you. So you know how she said she wanted to be in control? She's getting it. Yeah, but now she's saying she doesn't want that. Re re yeah, no problem. You read the last phrase because it they sometimes things are like said backwards, oh. but they're meaning forward. You know what I'm talking about, where it's like they say, I would never not do that instead of just saying I'm gonna do that. So what was it? What was the exact absolutely? Uh, and this is hard to follow just in general. I mean, this is a yeah. beginning of writing, and you have my horrible yeah. filter uh of trying to modernize this, but um no, and me, I like your note. I like your notes. I I'm thank just, you. Yeah, I appreciate that. So while I live, I shall be obedient to God. Guarantee, I guarantee that I will never debate with you. So, oh, never debate with you. Okay. Yeah. And um, so she's saying, you know, I'm never going to argue with you no matter what you say. So mm -hmm. all that stuff before about how she wanted to be in control and all that stuff. Thrown she's out just, the window. <laughs> yeah, it's just gone. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so he gets a totally hot, transformed wife that's never going to argue with him ever, which is kind of, it seems contrary to what, the point of the story was right right it's all like i said it's thrown out the window to me that's like a it's kind of bullshit yeah it's just horrible but writing it's, and it's just yeah it's terrible because at least they had that part at one point right you know was it so my thing is this though um as with and, and you would know more of this also obviously as you actually study these things but i know a lot of the older stories and manuscripts when, like you were talking about, bugs are eating them or whatever, they're starting to fall apart, they would have someone who's, you know, learned in, you know, being, you know, man, you know, the manuscripts and transcribing these things into fresh scrolls and all that, that. And there was always an influence. Sometimes a bias was tossed in. Do you think that maybe the ending on this changed? Do you think that it, it was like, a, a, you know, for lack of better terms, a feminist piece? And then it's like, okay got it and then it's like okay now let's complete like this like i completely understand the the okay you get to have me pretty all the time thing like okay it is still kind of lame it is kind of shitting on the the choice and and you know what's the payoff or whatever that he, has, he still has to live with something you kind of throw out the merit of of her you know strong feminism but then th this last thing for her to say something like and I'm never going to argue with you again. I it just, to me, it just seems like a, and I'm going to be the submissive wife. And so it's like, well, mm -hmm. then, then what literally uh, her, her purpose <laughs> is just like kind of thrown away at that point. Cause now she's just a pretty hoe who's not going to ever argue or talk back. It's like, it's like, you don't even have this. It's like ex beyond opposite of the sovereignty, <laughs> you know, like it's crazy.
Yeah, it is I crazy. Know. I, don't I mean, I don't know if you think it's changed or that's actually whatever. It, it really, I, you bring up an incredibly good point, my friend, um, because that could definitely happen. There's, there are different versions of the story. Um, you know, uh, I could dig in and try to find those uh, different versions and try to compare them, you know, which yeah, is kind of outside curious. the scope of uh, this podcast, but it is a really sure, interesting sure. question. I know in one of these things, um, like Sir Gowan um, is accused of rape by a, a family. Oh, like, damn. And so that's where the marriage becomes to another uh, woman. And that might be a different story, but I think it's another Dame Ragnall where, um, you know, uh, because he's accused of rape, um, the, uh, you know, it makes it even more poignant that he has to go find the answer. And the answer ends up being that women, um, you know, want sovereignty over a man, you know, because right. he took like physical sovereignty over a woman, right? Um, yeah. And rape, of course, super common in the Middle Ages because there's literally no cameras, no, um, you know, right. there's there's no rape kits or any of those things. It's incredibly shaming. Sexuality yeah. is is yeah. not a good thing at this time, you know, like. Yeah. Um, and so all those factors kind of play in. And you're probably right. Like somebody at some point made the decision that this was going to be the, the twist. And that's but the, that tells you something about that society. Right. And how totally. patriarchal it is. And, right. you know. Um, and that is uh, telling in its own right, you know? So, um, all right, let's put this thing in the ground. So at this point, um, Sir Gowan brings out Gingling, which is uh, his famous horse. Um, sometimes uh, Gunglin, I think, is how it's pronounced. I probably am butchering the fuck out of that. Um, but it is a famous horse. Like when Sir Gowan busts out this horse, this horse is like the best horse, right? So Gawain was a good knight of strength and kin uh, and sat at the round table at all the great feasts that Lady Ragnall should be at. Of fairness, she was the prettiest. She went on the ground. Uh, whenever she went on the ground, Gawain would lay at worship to that lady. Dame Ragnall in all his life, he, Gawain, loved no one else so well. I tell you without a lie, as a coward, he lay by her both day and night. Never would he pursue jousting as usual. Wherefore marveled King Arthur. And again, I use Marvel. So they're kind of saying that this is bad though. Like he's so attracted to her and she's so pretty that he's like mm -hmm. not jousting. He doesn't want to fight anymore. Mm -hmm. The only thing he wants to do is like worship her and like walk around with her. And this is kind of seen as a bad thing, which is interesting. Right. And mm -hmm. again, now he's like subservient, which I feel like is better in some ways. But she Ragnall prayed for the King to be merciful. Remember the oath you made with Sir Gromer. Indeed, whom you have offended. Yes, lady, he said, King Arthur. I know well that I may not make amends because he, Gromer, acted to me uncourteously. The narrator now jumps in, which is a weird narrative move since we're so close to the end. But now, he says, to make a short conclusion, I, the narrator, undertake to make the story end soon. This gentle lady, Ragnall, lived with Sir Gawain for five years. Gawain grieved all of his life, I tell you, surely. In her life, she never offended him ever. Therefore, there was never a woman who was dearer to him. Apparently, that's all it takes is if he doesn't, she doesn't piss him off. Right. That's the best. This ends my talking. So now the narrator says he's done. She was the fairest lady of all England when she was still alive. From what I, the narrator, understand, these are the words of King Arthur, who often in his days grieves sorely by the wedding of Sir Gawain. And even though Gawain was married often in his days, he had never loved a woman so constantly, which is what men say. So they're married for five years and it sounds like she dies. Hmm. 
And but we don't have any story about that. Or maybe Sir Gawain dies, but it also says that he grieved her and he was married many times after that. So this isn't right. even his only wife, right? Like mm. he's got a lot of wives. This adventure happened in Inglewood, the narrator continues, as good King Arthur went on a hunting trip, as I have heard men tell. Now God, who was born in Bethlehem, never suffered or lost their souls in the burning fires of hell. And Jesus, who was born of a virgin, please help him out of sorrow, who has made up this tale, the author or creator. And do now all in haste, for he, the person that made this story, has many jailers. So now it's saying that like whoever uh, told me this is in jail. Right. Like they're they're a real person and they know this and they're in jail and they guard him secretly with wiles that are wrong and powerful. Now, God, as you are the true royal king, help him out of danger who made this tale, for he has been there long out of great pity. Please help your servant, his body and soul. I yield into your hand for he has many pains. Here ends the wedding of Sir Gowan and Dame Ragnall, who helped King Arthur. And that's it. That's that's how the story it's, ends. It ends kind of abrupt, but yeah. Right. All of a sudden, I think the narrator writes himself into a corner, and he's like, "Yeah, mm -hmm. by the way, she dies, and the person that told me this, they're in right. jail and they're suffering, and like God so help them I out." So I have to end the story too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess, man. Yeah. So again, uh, really weird, a really strange story. Um, I will tell you what the editor said now. Uh, let's see here. Our editor again is Thomas Hahn. Thank you, Thomas Hahn. Uh, he says all um, he says this about Sir Gawain in general, all the glamour, mystery and moral authority that chivalry might command were invested for late medieval audiences in the charismatic figure of Sir Gawain. Gawain's stature and renown, if not uh, in his own mythical lifetime, then among the flesh and blood listeners and readers of late medieval England had its source and substance in popular romances and make up the present volume. Almost all of these were composed or written down in the 15th century or later. So we're talking 1400s, 1500s, 1600s. Before these romances appeared, Gawain already enjoyed a reputation in England through two early 14th century verse translations based upon 12th century French romances. So he's been around forever. You know, um, there's been a Sir Gawain since at least the 1200s that's been talked about in France, right? Uh, I'll also tell you, uh, again, my plugs, so quick plugs for Teams Medieval Text, which is painstakingly curated by the underappreciated scholars at the University of Rochester. They put out their entire catalog for free. That's where I get the story. Uh, that's nice. right. You don't even have to shoplift or pirate their books. They just want you to be happy. If you want to go to the website, you can buy their text. Their paperbacks are cheap and cheery, while their hardcover books make you feel like motherfucking Gandalf. Um, you can find them through the link in the description um, on my personal website, Personal website is marcelspodcast.com. You can also find us on Spotify and iTunes of late. I'm trying to get a few more set up. We'll see if I get that done. Chris, is there anything you want to plug for yourself, my friend? Ooh, uh, not really. I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, you can follow us on social media, freaking laser beams on Instagram um, and on Twitter um, with the no vowels. Just kind of, I couldn't bag the freaking laser beams hand on there. Uh, we're sorely, um, outdated on, on any like real updates for business, but there's some stuff on there. We're going to try to be attacking that a little bit more this year. It's kind of hard with COVID, but, um, that's really it to plug. Um, I love being on this and, um, I'm going to look up that, that, uh, that website you mentioned Rochester or whatever, cause I want to 
I can pull down the old manuscripts and just read. I can just search on there and it's it's all free or what's the, is it only on a website? Like, or can you actually download stuff? It's 100% free. You can download some stuff. Um, That's cool. Again, uh, their free stuff is uh, like HTML written. Um, okay. And so it's just a wall of text, you know, um, yeah, uh, which yeah. makes sense. You know, these people are putting it out. I mean, I, it's cool that they do that. They just want you to know, you know. Right. Um, so, you know, uh, it's cool. It's cool. Uh, there's some really cool stories on there. Um, there's literally, you know, uh, probably hundreds of volumes of text that are published for free. Um, the University of Rochester, I forgot what their, uh, I'm subscribed to their newsletter, uh, but their hard covers are really cool. Um, and if at the very minimum, get their uh, soft covers, also super cool stuff. Um, they're about 20 some dollars a, a copy, you know? Yeah. Um, and they're great, you know, space, uh, or a um, shelf kind of presentation material, you know, you look really I'm smart. into hard covers, man, all, all day. Oh, the hard covers have... are cool, but they're pricey. Yeah, man. yeah. That's, but it might be worth it. If I mean, I'll, I'll have to send a few bounce few off and say, hey, what do you think this is good? Because I'm sure I'm assuming they're like collections, because a lot of these are shorter stories, which makes sense because some of them are just you know carried on orally, and so they can't be like crazy long. So, but are there different collections of things or? That I could I could look at and be like, yeah, this is because it'd be worth it to me to own like a nice hardcover. If they're if it's made well, I'll, I'll throw the money down. Oh yeah, I, I'm with you too, by the way. But um, the 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 cool ones, in my opinion, are when they have a whole manuscript. Like um, they have Codex Ashmol sixty one, right? And that is mm -hmm. like an old rich person's book that's just batshit insane. Like it's got um, uh, all sorts of. Um, you know, it, it, well, here's the thing. Like we, we have to kind of go into like a history lesson about it, sure, but sure. things like genres didn't exist back then. Right. Right. And so like a rich guy would commission a book, right. And they would just fill in the pages with what they had or what they knew mm -hmm. or what was cool. Um, and whatever the rich guy wanted to, um, to remember. Right. So the books are crazy. Like you'll have like saints live stories next to like dirty uh, uh, song lyrics, you know, like limericks and stuff next to like uh, nice. tales about knights next to, uh, you know, like recipes and stuff next to like, yeah, uh, you know, cool. like people, uh, you know, like, oh, I went by the lake and here's my thoughts about the lake. You yeah, know, and di you're like diary stuff. Totally. Yeah. And it's just like uh. random ass shit. And it's all in the same book, you know, because they are just, you know, like papers expensive. And, and you right. can add books like uh, the, the the technology at the time was you would create the wood. Um, uh, it's usually wood or leather backed like actual mm -hmm. things, but it was usually wood at this time. Um, and so you had this space and depending on how rich you were, you would have either like a full sheet, which is crazy big. Or what they would do is they had these things called folios, which means it's folded. Right. Folds. Yeah. Right. And then you had a quattro, which is a quattro is you fold it four times. Mm -hmm. And an octavo means you fold it eight times and then yeah, right, you use a right. knife to cut the, the pages apart, right? Because the pages right. are all folded together and then you would stitch mm -hmm. it into the spine like you would create little right. holes the and leaves, then put it into yeah. the book. Uh -huh. And so you could cool. add books, add, infinite, you know, add pages until this thing's full, right? Um, if, if you were wealthy and you could afford to have people do this because it was very specialized and paper was very right. difficult to get, right? Um, and so um, really interesting process. But so- uh, in answer to your question, there's very cool um, hardcovers. Those are the ones I would go for is the uh, completed works. Otherwise, what you're getting is like um, 
an editor, like in this case, Thomas Hahn, um, who's mm. like a super amazing nerd, right? Who uh, was like, I'm going to make this book about 11 Sir Gawain tales, Gawain tales that I really love. And so I'm going to grab, you know, 11 of them and I'm going to compare them and I'm going to compile mm. them in this book, which is still really cool. Um, but it's not, you know, um, what I would consider like the most authentic, which is something really right. like Codex. The raw, you know, uh-huh. the raw data. Yeah, that's cool. Right. It all gets Very editorialized, but um, the collections right. like that, um, but some of them are really cool. Like one, um, one woman put together Heroic Women of the Bible, which is one of the uh, uh, books I have. And that's a cool oh, story. Sick. Yeah. Cause it's, it's very feminist, you know, honestly, like for what, like, for what the era is, it's, yeah. you know, it has Ruth women like kicking ass. And, yeah. Yeah. St. Yeah, Margaret Esther is one. And, yeah. Oh yeah. Cool. Well, we did a, uh, uh, Margaret was cool. Cause she fights dragons. She blows them oh, up from sick. the inside. Oh, so yeah. you're about like female saints then. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Uh, but some of them are from the Bible. So there's like Ruth and some others. And remember that right, the Bible right. is also fluid, like, Totally. The Bible from the Middle Ages in no way resembles the Bible we have today, right? Oh, for sure. And for there sure. were several, you know, um, they were being argued over like constantly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Depends on the King's translation and all that too. I mean, yeah. hundred so. percent. Yeah. Got it. Dude. So that was the podcast, very, my friend. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. I, I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm into it, dude. So thank you. Um, I'll check out Marcel's podcast.com. Definitely check out that website. Yeah. yeah, And give it a few listens. If you want to listen, Spotify is a good place too, um, which is uh, uh, Marcel's Medieval Magic on Spotify. So if you look that up, you will find us. We're great.